Hello and welcome to the Free Mind Podcast with Seth and Nerva Reddy. I'm Stephen Robles and today we're talking about the popular Christian and Grammy-nominated artist Lauren Daigle. She recently appeared on the Ellen DeGeneres talk show and then went on to be interviewed on the iHeartRadio Dominic Nadi show. And she made some comments specifically about homosexuality. And then there were many responses to her in the Christian world and outside. And today we're going to be responding to some of those responses uh, to the Lauren Daigle quote. So Seth uh, kind of brought this up. Why don't you uh, take it away and tell us what we're yeah. listening for. What's going on, fam? How y'all doing today? Glad to be in the studio. Um, yeah, I just, you know, it was really interesting. We wanted to give it a little bit of time from when the event happened, I think, when uh, cooler heads prevail and uh we could let the anger subside a little bit and what was that verse you were just we were talking about this earlier babe with in james oh it just talks about being quick to listen slow to speak and slow to become angry something about the anger does not produce the righteousness of god so right so convicting scripture so we thought we'd give a little space of time so we could be uh you know slow to anger here no we're we're not angry but it's also it's strange too because there's this cycle you know there's always a news cycle yeah and with the prevalence of social media that cycle gets shorter and shorter and so after this interview with lauren daigle i mean i think in maybe the week after super hot and uh, as on everyone's minds on lips and even now we're just maybe three or four weeks removed from it and you don't hear about it you know yeah you don't hear about it much anymore um but i thought you know it was such a good example of of something that typically like happens over and over again and something Mm -hmm. we're gonna see more and more on social media is you know uh, christian celebrities christian pastors they have these platforms and you know sometimes they'll say something that's a little bit outside of you know biblical orthodoxy or they'll do something that in their Mm -hmm. lives doesn't doesn't look like what you'd expect them to do you know so I think this is going to be something that happens again and again, unfortunately. Yeah. And uh, this this particular case, I thought, would give us a good like springboard to talk about how do we how do we do a good job as as a church and as believers in responding to these types of things and using them to actually help uh, the body of Christ move forward, to help yeah. uh, you know <clears throat> people think through these issues a little more clearly, a little bit more biblically. And so, yeah, I thought it'd be good. Good one to jump off of. Yeah, and it's tough, too, because especially big names in the Christian world, there's just extreme scrutiny from both sides, from non-Christians and Christians alike, that anytime there seems to be a slip-up or slight faltering on a a biblical doctrine, everyone's quick to jump on it from both sides. Yeah. So. Yeah, and yeah, man. And so I think there's a few different, there's so many angles, um, to, we can approach this from. Mm-hmm. We won't be able to exhaust the topic for sure, but I think we, I wanted to do two parts because in this first part, like you said, I wanted to address one common misconception that I often hear when these types of things come up. So the very, you know, I think it was the day after the interview happened, we were having lunch with some, some very good friends of ours, um, young adult, actually they do young adult ministry. Yeah. And one of their responses was, man, I just can't believe how judgmental church people have been in this right. case. And and then, you know, I, I began to hear that same thing from many people online, like, and how could they be judgmental? And, you know, this is one of the typical responses and there there's truth to it, right? Like some right. of the people that responded to, to Lauren did so in a way that it just didn't have, 
it didn't have the ring of love. It was more like, you know, boys get the rope. There's a hanging about to happen. <laughs> like, <laughs> like almost like, like a glee, like to like tear this person down. And, and you, you could feel the, um, you, you could feel sort of the animosity and the anger. And right. there was that, but there were also other people that responded in a way that I thought was actually accurate and good and helpful. And, it, and I think the problem was all those people got lumped in the same category mm. as being judgmental. And I, th- and it, and I just began to, to think more deeply and you got, you could speak into this too, Stephen, but I think for the most part in our culture, there's been the death of moral knowledge and many, mm. many high level philosophers have noted that like, we no longer think of ethics in the category of truth and knowledge right? so much as we think of them as, is in the category of values and feelings. Right. And this will become more apparent as we dive into this topic more, but there's still a few leftovers from the old days of morality and that, and one is racism. Right. Uh, we, I, I think we, most of us in this culture still think there's something objectively bad about that. Right. Uh, another one is, um, we think it's objectively bad to hurt people, you know, mm-hmm. to, to cause physical damage. And the third one sometimes is it's, it's morally bad to say that other people are morally bad. In other words, <laughs> we have, we have a real right. disdain for, for judgment Ooh. and judgmentalism. Yeah. And so those are kind of the three leftovers from the days of, of a full, fully fledged, robust ethic that have, right. that have, we've kind of arbitrarily hung on to. One of the newer moral goods that have come about recently is tolerance, whereas atheists, Christians, and all religions alike will say that tolerance is objectively right. Yeah. And um, seemingly sometimes it's right for everybody else minus the Christian faith, but that tolerance is objectively good for whatever reason. You know, know, there's not really a good basis for it, but it feels like that should be widely accepted. And that's true. You know, I think, I think you're right. And and it's actually a redefinition of classical tolerance. And I think that would be worth worth talking about later as well. And, you know, I'm, I'm being a little bit facetious and narrow down to those three things. I think there's, you know, rape and, um, you know, kind of, um, what's the new kind of the me too movement, you know, there's still some of those elements, but the, but the problem is it's, it's all, they're all sort of floating in midair and they have no coherence as an overall ethical framework. And so this idea that you just, oh man, you shouldn't judge has become really popular even among um, Christians. And we don't, we don't have a clear understanding of what we mean when we say you shouldn't judge. Right. And that's what I want to dive into mm-hmm. today is I want to, I want to try to parse out these issues and, and, I go, I'm going back here. I'm going to read through a little bit of this article by J.P. Moreland, a philosopher, uh, professor at Biola and Talbot School of Theology. And he wrote an article in December 19th, uh, on December 19th, 2012, called On Judging Others, Is There a hmm. Right Way? Interesting. And we'll, we'll put this in the link uh, so yeah. you guys can look into this. I won't read the whole thing, but I do want to read some sizable portions. And, and I think this will give us a good tool to think through this issue with. All right. He says, um, not long ago, I heard a sermon to the effect that we are not to judge others and try to tell them how to live. Hmm. In a similar vein, yesterday's Orange County Register, I guess that's a news organization, newspaper or something, featured a study of younger churchgoers, according to which they want their churches to be less judgmental and more caring. Hmm. Now there is some, here's what Moreland says. He said, now there is something right about this. Because in a sense, to be clarified shortly, we are indeed not to judge others. 
But given the current therapeutic culture in which we live and move and have our being, there is something seriously wrong with this perspective. Let me explain. So, you know, I think by therapeutic culture, it's kind of clear that we live in a you can just look at the universities if you've been following what's going along. Mm-hmm. They've created these safe spaces, and if comfort animals, yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy, man. But it's it's wild. But like they've deplatformed people that are gonna, you know, cause them um, to to feel bad by what they say, just with their ideology and their point of view. Right. They have what they call trigger warnings, right? Um, right. Where like if someone's gonna say something controversial, you got to give a trigger warning so you're prepared for. It. You know, this is the right. kind of culture we live in, so that's gonna set you up to already think if anybody says anything negative about anything you do or say that that person is therefore judging and that's a bad person. Right. <laughs> and so that's kind of, that's kind of the culture in which we live and move and have our being. So, um, Moreland goes here to the classic, what he calls the classic new Testament text about judging others, which is Matthew seven. I don't know if you have that pulled out nerve or you could read it. Matthew seven, one through five. If you have it, go, I'm I'm doing like the old school church here, Brother Robles. Read. Yes, I'll read it. Here it is. Okay, Matthew 7, 1 through 5. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Very good. So that's kind of the classic, you know, (laughs) we shouldn't judge Christian text. Mm -hmm. Now, what Moreland points out here, he said, it's really important to distinguish between two senses of judging, condemning and evaluating. Hmm. He said, the former condemning is wrong, and that's what's in view in Matthew 7. When Jesus says not to judge, he means it in the sense that the Pharisees judged others. Their purpose was to condemn the person judged and to evaluate themselves above that person. Now, this is a form of self-righteous blindness that verses 2 through 4 explicitly forbid. Such judgment is an expression of a habitual approach to life of avoiding self-examination and repentance and instead propping oneself up by putting others down. Mm. And that's clearly what Jesus is talking about. Other, other um, commentators have noted, you know, what Jesus is talking about there is sometimes called condemnation engineering. And mm. you use morals to put others down, to prop yourself up and to win against them and, you know, that whole deal. And that does tend to spur on more condemnation engineering back to you. So when you judge Mm. others, they will judge you back. And it's, it's this never ending cycle. Mm. But he said, there is another sense of judging that is central both to moral purity slash holiness and to showing tough love to another. That is evaluating another's behavior as wrong, pointing that out to the person with a view to their repentance, restoration and flourishing. So that kind is actually good. He said this form of judging may, sorry, this form of judging another may bring short-term pain in the form of guilt, embarrassment, and an experience of the need to change. But its long-term effect is, or at least is supposed to be, the flourishing and uplifting of the other. Hmm. And here I'm reminded of uh, two two passages. You're probably most people are familiar with if you, you know, remember them, but Proverbs nine, eight, 
says, do not rebuke mockers or they will hate you, but rebuke the wise and they will love you. Mm. And then uh, I think it's Proverbs 12, one says, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. And there's this constant thing in the Bible that like, man, we, we actually, if we're people who love wisdom, we love truth, we love knowledge, we should actually be happy when someone points out where we're in error, right. either in our, in our character or in our theology. And we, of course, we see all throughout the Bible, even especially in the New Testament, where they had no problem evaluating and right. judging in that sense that, that JP was just talking about. And so um, I think he's spot on with that. A lot of the letters of the Apostle Paul to the churches are just that, like, hey, right. don't do this. Stop right. doing that. Like, <laughs> That's what I was saying. Instead. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And he, you know, he even gets pretty strong at times. But, um, you know, it, I, I'm, I'm going to read just a, one more little part in here. I think that's worth reading. He says, sometimes the most loving thing you can do for another is to tell him or her something hard to hear. Mm-hmm. This form of judgment is absolutely biblical. In fact, in Matthew 7, 5, Jesus basically says that after one has appropriate, he says that after one has appropriately engaged in self-examination and personal repentance, he or she is now in a position accurately and helpfully to evaluate another. So that's where, read that, will you read that, uh, just that fifth verse? Verse five is, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So there's Jesus evaluating his audience, calling them hypocrites. But, <laughs> but then, you know, in a sense, he says, read that below. He says, first take out what? The plank out of your own eye. And then what? Then you will see clearly to remove the speck. Right. So, so. Okay. We forget that second part. A little right. Bit. If, if you can see clearly to remove the speck, that means right. that first you've evaluated that there's some speck there, right? Right. So yeah. that, that entail, I think logically, Moreland is spot on. Now, what happens though when you don't make this distinction? I mean, this is this is the typical error that I've seen in people that, and, and again, I think there there are many who condemned her unjustly and and were hateful. And for the for that, we need to kind of in the same way we need to evaluate that, point out the error, and help those folks to understand this distinction as well, so they can right. be better evaluators and not so good at condemnation engineering. <laughs> Um, but here's, uh, th- there was a recent article put out by, uh, comedian John Chris, you, you're familiar with him, right? Yeah. He has a ton of viral videos and, you know, did all kinds of stuff, Christian music, church. Yeah. yeah. Like I he, think I've seen one of them on Christian music industry and it, as a yeah. Christian artist, I think I was crying. It was so funny. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was really good stuff. But anyways, he got on there. I, I just saw this, uh, article on Christian Post where basically, he was defending Lauren and, and uh, Pastor John Gray. I actually know John as well. He's he's hilarious. But yeah. um, he he John Chris was telling the critics to just shut up. Was the was the was the title. So mm. um, I'm not. I don't want to go through the whole thing here. We we could put that one in the link as well. But I actually responded to this article on Christian Post today too. You can mm. you can look at that if you if you read through it. But I want to read one little part because I think it's worth pointing out. Here's Christy says Dago had made hundreds of songs lifting up the name of the Lord and led people to the kingdom of articles and stories about her. He continued. And one time she doesn't say something that isn't how you liked it. Get out. And then he says, um, Chris then provided some advice for everyone who feels like they have to save quote unquote culture by bashing others on social media. Quote, if you have a negative opinion about another person that you don't know personally, just have it and then just throw it away, he maintained. 
So I'm going to ask you guys, <laughs> you know, as you hear that, what's, what sticks out to you? He's doing exactly what he's telling others not to. He's judging those who have judged. Yeah. Exactly. And, and that's what I wrote on the article. I said the self-refuting nature of Chris Rant is glaring. Does he know all the so-called critics of Daigle that he is addressing in this post personally? Because that's what he said. If he doesn't, if you don't know them personally, right. take the thought right. and throw it away. If not, I said, then according to his own standard, he should keep his negative opinions about these folks to himself and not post them on Instagram. He catches himself in that logical vice there because of the lack of the distinction. Uh, Now, if he if he went through and said, let's not condemn her, let's evaluate and offer truth and love, then you then you're not caught in that um, logical incoherence or inconsistency. Right. But the moment you say, you know, anything you say about the person is therefore bashing and Hmm. to say something about someone negative is to bash. Then you've said that you've bashed me by, by your definition. So that it's a problem of definitions. Right. Um, and that, you know, I think, so that, that's the, that's the thing I just want to point out. I was going to share another article, but I'll wait for part two Yeah. to, to do that. You had some, well, this whole conversation is making me think, uh, Ray Dalio, He's the author of the book Principles, and he's the founder of Bridgewater Associates. It's an extremely successful hedge fund firm. And the culture of their company is radical transparency, where they are required to give feedback and criticism to any other person in the organization at any time, mm. whenever. Um, if someone is addressing their team or their company, of the company, uh, everyone listening is evaluating them constantly. They all have an app on their phone that they say, oh, you kind of went on a rabbit trail here. You did this poorly, but this was good. And there is a constant stream of evaluation that is expected. And it's also expected that you receive that feedback well. And so when you look at leadership and criticism, you know, bashing versus constructive criticism, basically, you know, you ask any team, what is one of the biggest hits to morale in a team is if someone's failing or if someone's doing poorly and a leader does not address that person specifically and help them change, the entire team suffers. Yeah. And so there is a positive sense of constructive criticism to you evaluate the person objectively and say that you are not doing this well. Yeah. You are not good at this. This is not just me saying it. It is clear to everyone else. And so let us help you reach that, you know, to better yourself. Yeah. And so that that culture of radical transparency, which Ray Dalio's company, he says people either last six to eight months or they leave. Uh, they, if wow. they last six to eight months, they'll stay for years. Uh, or if they can't handle the culture because they can't receive criticism well enough to be able to instill change in themselves. And so they just can't handle it and they leave. And so to this, again, it's one of those things like for John Chris article, uh, even he, is he helping those judging to judge better or to offer criticism better? Or is he just saying, like, you guys are failing because you've just spoken against a person? I'm yes. Like saying, That's and, the distinction. And that, and that is the title of the article. Now, it's on Instagram. I haven't had to, uh, a chance to go and listen to the whole thing. So maybe he rescues himself from the self-refutation. I'll leave that <laughs> open door. But at least from the article, the way it's presented, it's, it's saying, just shut up. Don't comment at all. Keep, and that's what his quote said. Keep it to yourself. And I think, man, what a, what a good example of what you just pointed out. Um, I think that's that's spot on. I 
I remember interviewing for a church. I won't name, but uh, one of the big questions was, "How is it? How do you do it handling criticism?" Mm. That's a big part of our culture here, and it was one of those churches that was very excellent at presentation, their worship, their production. I mean, you could tell it was a high producing. Um, Sunday services were just excellent. And so they wanted to make sure if you're going to join this team, can you handle this kind of feedback? Can, are you good at handling? I've got a few friends in my life, just maybe one or two. And I, and I tell them, Hey, uh, if I ever cut a fool, you pull me to the side. <laughs> I'm prone to wonder what that lyric said. Prone to yeah, wonder. When I yeah, flip, prone yeah. to leave the God I love. So should I lose my mind? Yeah. Be that loving person to, Pull me to the side and say, hey, this is where I think you're falling short. So it's it's a hard issue sometimes at best. You have to be willing to drop that ego Oof, and be willing yeah. to grow in Christ. And I don't know about you. <laughs> like we have we have this conversation even in our marriage, like Nerva has evaluated me lovingly <laughs> in relationship. <laughs> it told me that I don't handle criticism well, you know, at times. And, yeah. you know, that yeah. that is a good point. Like I need to grow. Like I want to be a wise. I want to be a proverbial wise person because that, that's right. a beautiful thing you know to be able to love a rebuke and not right. just feel defensive and not just react against it and i think we live in a culture right now that doesn't understand criticism can right. be constructive Absolutely. and evaluation yes. can be good judgmentalism even judging in this positive sense can be helpful and you talk about marriage you know it's one of those pain points where a couple feels like going to counseling or going to a marriage conference is some admittance of failure Ooh. Yeah. Um, and it may be true, like your marriage may not be doing well, and so you need that. Yeah. But also, even if your marriage is good, would anyone say they have a perfect marriage right, or an right. ideal marriage or that they have no room to improve on? I don't think anybody could say that honestly. Yeah. And so to go to counseling, to go to a marriage conference, to do a marriage study, it is just being objective about your own ability as a husband, as a wife, and say, I want to be better yeah. at this. Yeah, man. And you know, one of the industry, industries I just thought of was like sales. You know, we have performance evaluations in a lot of different industries in any right. job. But if you work in sales, your performance is your income. Yeah, man. And it's so obvious. It's such a hard industry to do because if you're not making money, it's on you. And you really have to be able to look at yourself and say, how am I? I'm not doing this well. Right. How can I do it better? And you have to seek it. But that applies to all areas of life. And it's just mm-hmm. some it's harder than others like marriage, our spiritual walk, yeah, man. our own whatever, sometimes health. Uh, we just it's touchy. And yeah, people don't like to to admit it. So. Sure. No, it's good, man. And so I think w- one more analogy that we, that we like that I like I thought was helpful is you know Dallas Willard, the philosophy from late philosopher from USC. He would say you know the difference between evaluation or discernment and condemning can be illustrated when we go to the dentist. You know when they <laughs> open your mouth and you say you know hey you got a cavity right here and um, right. if you need to do this or why this are you bashing is, me dentist yeah. right. If you don't, don't do this, you're going to have to have a root canal and, you know, <laughs> right. your, your teeth are going to fall out. And, you and know. only God can judge me. Don't <laughs> hey. But, you know, he said the difference in condemnation would be where he looks at the tooth and he starts slapping you in the head and say, how could you possibly treat your teeth like this, you stupid idiot? You know, that. And of course, we, you know, find a different dentist and think he's crazy. But, you know, I think that 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 highlights the distinction when we get on Facebook. We want to make sure. We approach it more like that Dennis would in the first scenario where, you know, we're, we're doing it to help the person. He, he wants us to have good health in our teeth, you know, and, right. and to flourish in that sense. Yeah, if you love the person, say this person is in your life and you're in a loving relationship with them, to withhold what would help them is not a very good thing to do. Yeah. And you, you actually hinder their progress. For sure. Case, you know? For sure. I saw this cartoon picture on Facebook the other day of a 
a gentleman with a bunch of boxes. He couldn't see where he was going, but he was walking and he was headed towards a cliff. And then the person on the side was looking like, what should I do? Should I help them? And so it's sort of that heart, like this information I hold could help them yeah. and, and, and stop them from destroying their lives. First. And again, I think the problem with people receiving that is we don't think of morality in the realm of truth and knowledge. Mm. And, it, and it feels like you're telling me to like chocolate ice cream. But I like vanilla. Like, why are you forcing that on me? Like, why right. are you? And that's, yeah. that's, that's the deep-rooted problem that we really got to address is, yeah. is morality simply a subjective value thing? Right. And if it is, then everything be, that falls apart, even violence and rape and none of the, all those things become subjective in like vanilla right. or chocolate. So you can't arbitrarily hold on to a few items while at the same time denying that morality is objective and something that's knowable. Right. Right. And so that's that's the root problem. So I, w I wanted to discuss real quick. How do we so let, let's apply this to this situation. How right. do we evaluate when when a Christian person does something that we think is unbiblical or, you know, they mm. theologically harmful or irresponsible or incorrect or whatever on in a public forum? How do we evaluate without condemning? I think one this is one thing I was thinking, and, and I can't point a scripture verse out to this right offhand. There probably is one, but I think in general, it's a good practice not to speculate on people's motives and motivations. Right. Um, and the reason is, is because the Bible does say, you know, the heart is deceitful and, and who can know it even. Um, motivations are often, even in ourselves, hard to discern. Right. There are times when they are knowable. God definitely knows them. And sometimes even biblical writers point to certain motivations. And I think sometimes we can see, we can just tell mm -hmm. people are motivated by greed in a certain situation or they're motivated by hate. It's not that we can never know it, but it's just, it, it, I think we jump there sometimes too quickly based on insufficient evidence. Right. And if in general, we just make it a good, we discipline ourselves to be really, really slow, if ever to, to speculate about people's motivations, I think it helps. So in the case with Lauren, to immediately jump to the case that she's being a coward mm. or that she's doing this out of fear, there might be some, some evidence that suggests that, but I don't think for many of us that we have enough to say that we could know that with confidence. Right. Um, so, so I think just pausing on that is, is a good practice. Two, you know, we need to evaluate ourselves in the area in which we think the person has fallen short. In other words, let's say that, let's say in this case, she did have really, really good believe, reason to believe that she was being a coward and, you know, was basically trying to save her career and so wasn't telling the truth. I, I need to ask, have there been situations where I've done that? And, and honestly, <laughs> there have. Like, I remember I was thinking about this earlier. In high school, there was, a, there was this big move. They were, it was around the Brownsville revival time. Some mm. people were coming back and they were carrying their Bibles to, to school as a public school carrying the Bibles to school that my cousin even was having this big, uh, I forget what he calls them, like a, an after school gospel presentation. Like he hey. was, you know, he was drawing all the kids there with pizza, hungry Howie's pizza. <laughs> and like, man, it was crazy. Like I'd never seen my cousin so on fire, man. Like this dude was like, he was just unafraid and like he was about it. Yeah. And like all these kids showed up after school. Like there was probably like the whole school was there. I guess they really want a hungry Howie's pizza. You can buy them for $4 a piece, but you know. Um, they were really wanting this pizza and I was supposed to, be, I was supposed to go down and pray for people that came down to the altar at the end. Well, 
I was on the basketball team. I was a little bit ashamed, little, but I was like working up the courage. So he calls for the altar call and all these people come down. Man, I just went ghost. Like I think I <laughs> I think I walked out of the side of the gym just like scared to death, man. And like I remember praying about that seriously like the rest of the, of the year after that I kept coming back cuz I was a leader in youth group and right. I was like, man, I'm such a wimp. Like I I did not go down there and do that. And I'm so scared, like I'm still scared to do it. Right. And there, long story short, I had this amazing experience. This youth pastor that I didn't know at youth camp comes over the room and he tells me exactly like that. He's like, man, I feel like God showed me that you have discipline in your life, but you lack a spiritual backbone. And he prayed and I wept like I've never wept before that or since. And I ended up my senior year, like the next year, I was at a really, really godless school but they asked me to sing and they were going to let me sing a christian song for the baccalaureate and mm. i sang it before i sang it i actually shared the gospel hey. and like this was the this was the you know the the boldest thing i'd ever done and i'm not saying i haven't failed since then because there's been times when i feel like i should post something on facebook or social media and i haven't out of out of fear of what people will think so it's an ongoing battle but i you know you look in the the apostles in the book of acts and they always prayed for boldness and it's our call, it is our calling to be courageous. We have to stand yeah. for truth. We have to stand for righteousness. We have to stand for biblical principles. But I just, as I'm reminding myself that, it gives me empathy and compassion. So when I address someone who I feel like has fallen short, I don't address them from the standpoint of I'm above you, but I address them from a standpoint of, man, I've been there too. Let's, let's together, let's um, strengthen our resolve and let's move forward and, and not not let our fear of what they do because we've so we've seen friends that have lost had great losses right sure because they've come out on this issue like mm -hmm. um okay. good friends with um mandisa you went to college with her sure. and when she was on american idol you know we kind of knew what was going on with her and she had said something about lifestyle mm. on one of the songs i think she sings shackles and she didn't even know that was a buzzword at yeah. the time in the um lgbt community and yeah, like, I mean, they came after her, man. Well, she, you know, some people think, think that she even got basically kicked off the show shortly after that, um, due to some of that. And, you know, I don't know if that's the case or not, but she, it, it, it really challenged her in a lot of ways. And, and I think it was a, it was a difficult time. And the truth is in this current climate, if you are trying to be in mainstream entertainment world and you and they find anything. I mean, you could just see what happened. What was the recent uh, award show where um, basically the guy who was supposed to host it had to step down? Oh, it was the uh, Academy Awards. Yeah, yeah the Academy was, Awards. Uh, Kevin Hart. Right. Was, yeah, and then he stepped down. And you know, so there's there's not going to be a relenting. Like it doesn't matter who you are. This is right. the this is the un, unpardonable sin in our culture right now is to right. say something anti LGBTQ. So with her you know, having, being kind of put on the spot in this interview, I can imagine that was like a real pressure filled situation. Cause everything she's been working toward, like it immediately could be shut down. All right. And that's what we're going to talk about in the second part. In the second part. Her actual words. What she exactly. Said. Her actual words, what she said. So I just, I think as we go through this mental process of putting ourselves in the other people's position, it can help us right. to be more gracious. Even if we say, Hey, I think you did the wrong thing here. Here's right. how we can grow. Third thing I, I thought of was we, we can pause and pray that God would give us a genuine love for that person before we respond. Right. And that can give us the right heart posture. Even if you're on social media, like just pause 
really pray, God, give me real, like, help me to see them how you see them. Help me to love them how you love them. Right. Even if I have to respond and right. say, and, and give a criticism. And let me just say, like, and if you're going to respond to something on social media, it's such a hotbed and it's so fraught. Right. Where anything you say can and will be twisted. Yeah. And I almost wonder, like, as you're praying for that grace, like, also pray <laughs> for the right words to say. Yeah. And also pray that you don't have to feel like you have to respond to those responders either. Yeah. Because your comment might be most used by someone who never responds to you. And the ones that probably do respond to you are probably just trying to polarize and get you worked up on something. Yeah. And so always be mindful, you know, I think of, of what you're saying and then how you respond after that, um, on social media. But I think that's, yeah, man, that's actually, that's actually really helpful. I think we do want to, you know, be careful and, and just knowing, you know, we can't address everybody and everything, you know, we have to be wise with our time and, but, uh, you know, and, and I think you're right. Like, you can be the nicest person in the world these days and it's not enough. Like it right. doesn't, right. it's not, we don't do it necessarily just for how people will respond to us. We do it because it's the right thing right. and because it represents God. And because those people who do, who do love truth and they, and they love beauty and goodness will see that. And they may not ever comment on it, like you said, right. but it'll still be a witness to the people that have eyes to see and ears to hear. Right. Uh, and the last thing was don't let's not malign people through mm-hmm. our criticism and, and, you know, you like, let's stick to what maybe the actions and the content without, you know, saying, well, they're not a real Christian or, you know, they're, right. they're just an awful person, you know, saying things about them as people and their value and dignity. Um, yeah, I think we can resist that temptation and resist the temptation to be a social media superhero. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. Well, and to, to make a character judgment, you know, from your story, you know, from the high school, I just thought of, you know, Peter denying Christ, you know, it's basically the same experience. Yep. And for someone like Peter who walked with Jesus for several years, even he, if even he uh, was susceptible to that moment of doubt yep. and the moment of not sure how to respond to someone yep. three times in a row, yeah, man. you know, and he had to be corrected and told for by sure. Jesus, like, Hey, do you and, love me? <laughs> and then when you look ahead and acts and how bold he is, so, you know, right. this could be that. That's why I try to always see to the, the potential redemption of this situation. Like, right. man, Let's say, for instance, again, we don't know, but let's say she was motivated by trying to save her career and was scared to give it what she really thought or what she thought was a true biblical right. answer. God can still turn this around. Maybe a year from now, she stands up for it in a way that yeah. that is amazing and really, you know, God uses it just like he allowed me to do in my high school. That that would be our prayer. Um, and so we'll see, you know, we'll see. What happens? But I think what we discussed today is we need to understand the difference between evaluating condemnation and then when we evaluate, we need to do it from a place of compassion and love, but also bring that truth because to bring the truth is loving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good. So we're going to sell uh, Only God Can Judge Me t shirts after the show. <laughs> <laughs> no more name calling, no more arguments, right. social media. So on the next episode, we're going to talk about her actual words. Yeah. And what she said and, and kind of evaluate those. And so listeners, if you wanted to read the article by John Christ or the J.P. Moreland article, uh, you can go to the show notes. You can go to freemind.fm and you can find the links there. And we'll also be in your podcast player. You can look at the show notes. And of course, you can follow us all the different places at freemind.fm on Instagram and Twitter. And if you have any feedback or you want to email the show, you can email podcast at freemind.fm. Come on, come on.